Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I'm Eileen Lam, an autistic author and photographer. I usually co-host this podcast with Andrew, but he couldn't make it today. So this is my first time uh, doing it solo. Uh, in this podcast, we want to highlight the real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but we want to talk to a variety of autistic people. And today, I'm very excited to have uh, Kellyn Partlow with us. Uh, Kellyn is a registered behavior technician. She's been working with uh, children and teens on the spectrum for seven years now. She was diagnosed with autism at age 10 and was a participant in the Netflix series Love on the Spectrum US, which I love, by the way. Kellyn was also diagnosed with several learning disabilities as a child, and today she uses her experience with to help others with similar experiences. Uh, thank you so much for joining me tonight, Kellyn. Thanks for having me. Of course, it's an honor. But uh, what are your preferred uh, pronouns and how do you like to identify as an autistic person or person on the spectrum? Tell me. I use person with autism and autistic person interchangeably and my pronouns are she, her. Cool. All right. To start, I would love to hear more about uh, how you were diagnosed with autism and what that experience was like, how long ago, all of that. Yeah. So when I was 10, I was having extreme difficulty in school. Um, I guess just note that that started shortly after I entered school, but it became really apparent to everybody around me, especially my teachers, that my academic difficulty was not getting better. If anything, it was just getting worse. So my uncle lives in Orlando, Florida, and he paid for me to have some pretty extensive testing done by a variety of professionals. So speech therapists, occupational therapists, psychologists, um, physical therapists. And after about five days, they had produced all these results from just this extensive testing that had been done. And that is where I got my diagnosis of autism and dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, dyspraxia, and ADHD. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about the difference between uh, dyslexia and the other dysdiagnosis? I know <laughs> sure. a little bit about it. I know some are like with math, other with, you know, writing, but yeah. Yeah. So dyslexia is, I think, the most commonly known learning disability. It's the one with words. The classic example is that you get your B's and D's and P's and Q's mixed up. Um, for me personally, it makes reading comprehension very difficult, and I read very slowly. Um, I sometimes will get stuck on words. Even if I know the word, my brain, for just whatever reason, will not let me read it. Sometimes I have to skip it or go back to it, or I'll find myself rereading sentences over and over again, which can also contribute to the slow reading. Um, dyscalculia is kind of like the math version of dyslexia. It's a little bit more complex than that. It affects your working memory and your ability to retain mathematical information. It makes working out numerical concepts incredibly difficult. So I never really got past third grade math. Um, you'd be surprised at what you can do in adult life without fractions, <laughs> um, even though they would maybe have me believe otherwise. Dyspraxia has to do with motor skills. That one I would say I'm probably the least knowledgeable about. It's for me personally, it just means my fine motor skills are kind of garbage. Yeah, my uh, my youngest has the dyspraxia uh, diagnosis from the OT. It was like coordination, I think, too. Is yeah. In that, yeah. Um, and you know what you said about dyslexia and uh, reading something over and over again? I feel like that's something that a lot of autistic people struggle with, at least me and my youngest, who's oh, a yeah. higher functioning. It's like, 
I can read so well and was considered hyperlexic, but the comprehension of what I was actually reading, it's like I was reading the words, but I couldn't make out the, the meaning of it. Um, right. I don't have any of these diagnoses, but I think it's linked somehow because, yeah, it's a common issue I read about. Um, I know from following you uh, that you like to to help others by sharing your story and your experience. Um, can you tell us more about um, autism related accommodation and how you utilize them most effectively as an adult, how people can take advantage of those? Absolutely. I've got a pretty long list. I don't know how long we've got, but <laughs> I've got a long list okay. of those. Um, I've got, so first I've got a service dog. And by definition, service dogs are meant to increase a person's independence. So when people ask me, oh, well, how old should my child be when I get a service dog? And like I said, by definition, they're meant to increase someone's independence. And children by nature, disability or not, do not have a whole lot of independence. So while service dogs can be incredibly beneficial for some children in some cases, I find that it's, at least in my experience, more useful as an adult. Um, they can be trained to do things like buffering crowds, which is where they put their body in between the bodies of you and kind of everybody else around you to create an additional physical space. They can do alarm response. This could include to a fire alarm, to a cell phone alarm, to an oven or to a microwave, um, just to kind of increase a person's responsiveness to it. They can do behavior interruption. So this could be anything from self-injury to repetitive behavior that is potentially harmful, um, Service dogs can also help locate a missing item or a missing person or a parked car in the parking lot or retrieve items for you on command. So if you've got certain items that are calming for you or if you take specific medication that you need to have at a certain time, your dog can go get it for you. And those things can be really helpful for adults on the spectrum. How would someone go about getting a service dog? There's two main ways here in the United States. So first, you can go through an organization. Um, it is sometimes really, really expensive and sometimes it's free. It just depends on the specific organization that you go to. They say on average, it costs about $20,000 to train a dog start to finish, including you know vet bills and the fees to acquire the dog and training and all that. By this time it's said and done, it's about 20,000, which most people don't just have on hand. So it makes them pretty inaccessible. The other way you can do it is you can train your own. The tricky part with that is you're not really cutting costs. You're still gonna spend you know about the same give or take and you have to be able to locate a professional trainer to be able to help you if you don't have dog training experience so like fundraising would be probably the best way to do it unless you have the means to you know pay right up front, right when right. did you get yours i have had a service dog kind of on and off since high school well so yeah you are an adult is what you were saying yeah any any other accommodations you think for adults oh yeah um Personally, I use a lot of fidget tools so that helps with anxiety, sensory input, or even replacement behaviors for some like harmful stimming behavior. Um, I talk a lot online about ear protection. I wear earplugs, I wear headphones, um, noise canceling headphones. Those things can all be really helpful with sensory input. Um, and as it relates to my job, I, for the longest time, it's not been something I've utilized recently, but I had an accommodation where I could ask for a break at any point throughout the day. And the supervisors were all trained on this and they would take over whatever it was that I was doing so that I could kind of take a break and calm down and not embarrass myself at work. Um, and I feel like that one is really, really underutilized. And I think it definitely requires a supportive work environment, which I know not everybody has, but it was really, really helpful for me when I needed it. That's amazing. Have you faced any obstacles to implementing accommodations as an adult? Oh, absolutely. I 
especially with the dog or with headphones, anything that's like really overtly visible, the social stigma around those things. So people will stare, people will ask rude or intrusive questions. Um, maybe, you know, they won't invite you to things. They won't want to talk to you. They won't want to be around you. Um, or the worst one, which to me is just the rude and invasive questions from strangers. Do you have an example of something that really annoyed you? Someone said. Ugh, not recently, but a lot of times with the dog, they'll be like, what's wrong with you? Why do you need a service dog? Are you training him? And you'll be like, no, I'm not training him. He's mine. Well, for what? What do you have? Which is like, oh. I don't know you. Why would you ask me that? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, do people like recognize you now from the, the show? Has it happened to you? Yeah, it's happened several times. Oh, that's always fun and a little awkward. It's happened to me. It's a little too. awkward, but yeah. It's like, I like it, but I also don't know what to say. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you work as an RBT. So for, do you want to explain what an RBT is first before we? Sure. Um, an RBT is somebody who works in the field of ABA. They work on implementing the behavior plan as well as the skill acquisition plan as written by the board certified behavior analyst. Oh, it's like you had the definition in your head. Awesome. <laughs> Yes. What's uh, what's your favorite thing about your job and uh, why did you choose this path as an autistic adult? My favorite thing about my job is seeing the positive impact I have on the lives of the people that I serve. It's not like a small thing. It's it's really big, especially if you know what to look for in terms of helping people. Um there's just nothing like when you're working with a client who maybe doesn't have a whole lot of language and you've taught them to request something that is really meaningful to them. And now that they've got this language, they can request this thing more frequently. And that really kind of keeps me going as an RBT, I think. Um, I'm also able to problem solve with my clients in unique ways just because I've experienced a lot of their challenges in the past. So I think that makes me uniquely qualified. Do you uh, tell the parents of the kiddos you work with that you're on the spectrum yourself? Like, do they know? I think so. I think everybody has seen the show at this well, point. So if they don't know, they should. Uh, do you, did you have to take a lot of time off for filming? How did that work out? Just a couple days, yeah. Oh, well, that wasn't too bad, I guess. Yeah. So how do you, did you ever face any difficulty in this field uh, of being an RBT and, you know, in the workplace? How did you handle it? Oh, yeah. I have always had a lot of trouble and frankly still do when the people around me maybe don't follow the rules or are maybe unaware of different therapeutic best practices. And so I coming from a place of being able to relate on a personal level, but also I've got a lot of clinical experience working in a lot of different environments with a lot of types of autistic learners. So when I see somebody doing something that they maybe could do better, it's really, really hard for me to not want to say something or maybe not be upset by watching it go down. Have you ever said anything? Um, trying to think. I I'm pretty good about keeping it in, but then I it it'll make me emotional, and so I'll have to like excuse myself so that I can fix it some other way. And then you can ask for your break because your work is great. <laughs> yeah, and there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so you appeared in the Netflix TV show Love on the Spectrum. US, which is great, I, I promise. Uh, I, I was like, everyone was telling me, you need to watch it. And, you know, I've watched a lot of shows about autism and I always, you know, it's, to me, it's always missing something, but I found it so real and, and true. I, I really, I really loved it. You, you were great. Oh, thank you. 
So what, what was the experience like for you? Like having the camera on you, like for filming, all of that, having to follow directions, I assume, like, was that difficult? It was. I kind of describe it as one of the more stressful experiences that I've probably ever had, but it that doesn't mean it wasn't fun. Like I, I definitely enjoyed it and I had a good time and the crew was fantastic. However, it, it was incredibly stressful because it's, it's more demands than you maybe would have ever encountered in a 24 hour period. And they filmed for several days. So it was like a lot back to back and they were eight hour days. So it was, it was a lot for sure. Uh, do you feel more comfortable as time went by? Like, did you kind of get used to it? Did you kind of forget the cameras were around? A little bit, yeah. I think you kind of get used to it after a while because the crew was very friendly, so I got to know them very quickly and it, the awkwardness kind of went away. Oh, that's good. Did you guys ever meet uh, with the other? No. No, never? It's kind of separate? Speaking of that being separate, you know, autism can be lonely. I know I, I experience it myself. Like, I, I tend to isolate myself a lot. Like, I never go out anymore. I don't have friends in person I mean you know it's it, it's hard um, to like get put yourself out there meet people how do you what do you do when loneliness kicks in I'd like to say that I've got a good answer but I don't I think right now I've been working on just kind of writing out the lonely feeling that some days are are lonely but some days are not lonely and if I can just kind of write out the ones that are eventually a less lonely day will maybe come along um but in terms of long-term prevention of loneliness, I don't have a great answer. You know, I I think uh, a, a good way that we both do is using our platform to kind of like, you know, build a community and connect with people in that way. That's helped me a lot, even though, you know, it's not meaningful friendships because it's like people on social media, but connecting with people, living the same thing as me. I mean, to me, it's been uh, very, very useful. I don't know if you've connected to some people online too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I I watched uh, some of, of your videos and I, I just love how balanced you are on when you share your views on, on social media. Was it this morning or in the last few days you posted about awareness and acceptance and it was like, oh my God, I feel like I could have said this myself. I mean, I've said it, you know, like you can't have acceptance without awareness like you know there's a lot of divide and people try to like choose a camp and a lot of the time mm -hmm. it's really in the middle and you need you need both and um you know trying to cancel awareness it's not just not gonna work because a lot of people don't know about autism and you right. don't get acceptance without it um what uh what pushed you to to make these videos like because it's really really useful the videos in general or this morning's oh all, all of them, like everything you share. I think when I did not, they told me probably, I just don't remember and maybe didn't really think too much of it when they said that your social media is really going to kind of explode overnight. <laughs> I have 164,000 followers right now and I started with 500 in May. So wow. it's just really, really exploded. And when I, when that started happening, I guess I just realized I've got to do something with this. I can't just share you know, oh, I went to the beach or I went to this fun <laughs> restaurant and it was great. Like if I've got this huge platform, I should do something with it. And I think that's kind of where that came from. Yeah. And you are doing great things. I have uh, my, my followers sending me your videos. Like, like <laughs> she, she thinks like you, you're not alone. <laughs> that's so cool. So that it's, is cool. Uh, it's really good. And speaking of 
social media, um, you know about the divide in the community. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of harassment and bullying. Honestly, I've mm-hmm. gone through a lot of that. Um, have you, how do you handle it? How has it been like? Mm, I think it's, that's kind of a two part. So sometimes when I get criticism, especially if it's just kind of some random person and it's just a completely unfounded criticism, sometimes I think they're funny and maybe I shouldn't, but sometimes they truly, they make me laugh. If I'm having a bad day and I see some horrible, nasty comment online, depending on what it is, sometimes it will make me laugh and it probably shouldn't, but it does just because I know it's so far from what is true. Um, The other piece of that is personally, I only take criticism from people who have comparable clinical and personal experience to me, which doesn't necessarily mean that I'm disinterested in other people's perspectives. In fact, I I seek them out. I will seek out other people's perspectives who I know are going to disagree with me, but I'm interested to hear what they have to say. However, um, when they come to my page to you know, ridicule me in some way or criticize me in some way when they're only speaking from their own personal experience, to me, it, it loses a lot of its value. Gosh, it's like, I feel like really hearing myself and my thoughts. Like, <laughs> I think we're very similar. To me. Yeah, it's like, it's exactly it. They're speaking from their own perspective, but trying to speak on behalf of the entire autism community. And you can't do it. You just can't. And it really annoys me how they will, you know, go and, and people like parents who have, you know, they don't know any better. A lot of parents, their kid right. has just been diagnosed and they found those pages and the autistic community hates this and hates that. You know, what are they going to do? They're going to listen because they think right. that it's really the entire community. And I don't know what we can do, you know, as balanced people, to put it uh, in that way, to, you know, make parents and other people who are on the outside of this conflict understand that really you know, each autistic person is only an expert on their own autism. And there is no community in that sense, because we're all individual, just like neurotypicals. Like, do you have any idea of how to get that message across? Hmm. I don't know. I think, I think people are more attracted to my moderate beliefs than they are to extremist beliefs. I think I I think that's partly why I've got the following that I do because I'm not I'm not in the like the internet slang where they say I'm coming for you. I'm not coming for anybody. I'm not here to criticize anybody. Um, I'm not gonna say oh this person over here they said this and they suck and they're wrong and here's why. Maybe they do suck and maybe they are wrong and I could probably definitely tell you why. But to make that into a video, it's just not what I want to be associated with I don't know I don't know if that answers your question or not yeah no I think it does maybe you're right that in the end we do get more people listening to us because of the balance view than you know no one likes to be attacked you know but it's like you know I look at it and like the media uh you know I've I've been cut out of interview in the media. I'm not going to cite names, but if you're listening, you know who you are. And then all of the other uh, people in the article are going to be people on the other side who have these very extreme views. And my balance view is being cut out because I guess it doesn't sound as good as, I don't know, for lack of a better word, woke, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's frustrating because I feel like people are working on a eggs or whatever that expression is you know because oh yeah they don't want to 
uh, hurt those people's feelings, you know, and then voices like mine and yours are often being like pushed out of the conversation uh, for that reason. I've experienced it a lot and uh, I guess, yeah, it's difficult to deal with. So seeing your, your account is a, uh, is very refreshing and it seems like you end all the criticism well like it's not affecting you that much i think so i think um you know the the only time it will bother me is if it gets to be where you know one person will say something kind of nasty and then 20 more people pile on top of that and, and start to agree with them and it it becomes this group effort and that's kind of where I tap out, but it's my account so I can delete it and remove it and it doesn't have to stay there. Of course, it'll bother me, but yeah, it doesn't yeah, well, need to stay there. Unfortunately, yeah, that's kind of what they do. They will post a screenshot or whatever in a private group and then everybody comes to attack and mm -hmm. I think we need to do better there because, you know, it's one thing to disagree if it's one person and I will usually keep the comment and you know i'm not gonna change my mind but it's fine if they said but once it becomes uh you know dozens of people like it doesn't feel like someone giving feedback anymore it feels like an attack and uh we should definitely not be doing this to other autistic people or to anyone right um i forgot to ask you earlier what's your favorite breed of dog Completely different subject. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased, but you can't go wrong with a well-bred lab. They are very versatile. Yeah. They can do it all. It's kind of like golden retrievers, right? Oh, yeah. Very similar. I, I have a golden, and yeah, he's great. Always so happy, you know, they just want to mm -hmm. please you. and. Oh, yeah. They'll yeah. go anywhere with you and do anything any, to, any day of the week, but they're also fine to just kind of nap on the couch, and I really appreciate that. What's your dog's name? Finnegan. Finnegan. Um, do you guys uh, go... Do you, you know, because you work all day. Do you guys like go out on walks like in the morning and then at night? How do you? Do you yeah, usually from... at night. He's he likes to sleep. He'll just kind of lay on the couch while I'm at work, and then when I get home, we'll go somewhere or we'll take a walk or we'll do something. No. Do you think the the kiddos at the center at the ABA place would uh, love to meet him? Like, is that an option? Have you taken him? I have. I've taken him a couple times. He. When I say he's not good with kids, people get kind of nervous. But when I when I say he's not good with kids, what I really mean is that he is not very aware of his size. He's about 65 pounds and he's very muscular. And sometimes he'll knock somebody over or if they've got something in their hand, he maybe won't wait for them to give it to him. He'll just go ahead and take it, um, <laughs> which is <Yeah>. not great. <laughs> oh, my God. Sounds like my dog. Um uh, I'm going to ask you some uh, quick fire questions. Uh, basically, I ask you a question and you tell me the first thing that comes to to your mind. Okay? All right. Do you have a favorite quote? And if so, what is it? You know, I thought about that one for a really long time and I do, but I don't remember it. And every time I hear a really good one, I'm like, oh, that's a great one. I should keep that somewhere. And I never do. And so when I see it, I'll know what it is. But no, I, I cannot recall one. What's your favorite uh, comedy movie? We're the Millers. What's your favorite drink? Orange cream soda. Oh. What's your favorite uh, comedian? Who is your favorite mm. comedian? Bo Burnham or Jeff Dunham. What was your dream job as a child? Was it being an RBT? No, <laughs> I wanted to be a dog trainer at PetSmart. <laughs> That's so specific. <laughs> you know, they're not that bad. I have a friend who did training with her dog there, and she was very happy. Mm. Uh, even though it gets a lot of, uh, you know, people make fun of it, but it was great. Um, where can uh, people find you on social media so you can 
grow even more. Yeah. Um, on Instagram and TikTok, it's just Kaylin, capital VP. And then on Facebook, it's Kaylin's Autistic Angle. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. Love yeah. talking to you. And I really appreciate your, your balanced perspective. Thank you.